0: you have your Bibles, turn to John 10. We read this verse this morning, and I touched on the fact that we were going to come back to this. And so in John 10, starting at verse 2, it says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So here's the simplicity of my faith. I believe if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you hear his voice. That's how simple it is for me. The Bible says, have faith like a child. Certain areas, I'm a child. No jokes. But I believe that we can hear the voice of God. I believe every one of you, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you hear his voice. And he wants to speak to you. And so much do I believe that he wants to, I believe he already does. And so you just have to understand that because he lives in you, he speaks to you. The question is, are you willing to sit quiet and listen? In today's world, we have so much noise happening. Are you willing to pause and just block out the noise, turn off your phone, close your door, and sit quietly? As I like to, just even in times of worship, on a Sunday or even tonight, just stand quietly in the presence of the Lord. Um, We just like to soak in His presence. And I believe in those moments where you're just soaking in His presence is when He will speak to you because when you're quiet it allows other people to talk it's amazing and so when we're praying if we take a moment to be silent we will hear the Lord speak and this is the desire he wants to speak to you but God speaks in different ways and so we need to be listening and pay attention And if you have your you turn to Job chapter 33 and as you're turning there He speaks in so many different ways. So you can't put him in a box. And just because he spoke to you one way once. Doesn't mean that's the way he's going to speak to you the rest of your life. So you can't automatically go. If he spoke to me this way. This is how I'm going to hear him every time. And so if I'm trying to discern whether it was God or not. But it didn't come the way it came last time. It can't be him. You're going to miss it. And so Job 33 starting at verse 14. It says for God. Speaks again and again till people do not recognize it. Job thirty-three, fifteen. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. So note to self: if you want to hear from God sometimes, sleep. He will speak to you. And we actually have scripture verses in our bathroom. And so, why we brush our teeth? We can actually read them, and it's from Psalms where it actually tells us that God wants us to sleep. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard for me to sleep. But in those moments when you fall into a deep sleep, He will speak to you. Because it says here, they fall deep sleep when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from doing wrong. He keeps them from pride. He protects them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. So dreams and vision, he speaks. Do you pay attention to your dreams? Or do you automatically chalk them up to something you ate? Because sometimes God will speak to you through your dreams. He will wake you up and sometimes you just have to ask God, God, what were you saying there? Because I don't know about you, I've had dreams where yep, it was pizza or wings that just made it happen. And then there's times where I've had dreams that I wake up and I know, God, you're saying something. And in those moments, are you willing to wait on him and to listen to him? Are you willing to pay attention to what he's trying to say? I remember one time when we were living in Brampton, um, I would work construction one day a week. While I was going through school, and my bosses were phenomenal because they always tried to make sure I had work because one day working construction really actually helped for school. And all of a sudden, work got really slow, and my boss actually had me work on his own house and do some stuff just so he knew that he could pay me and help me out. And all of a sudden, work stopped for a while. And Melissa and I were kind of trying to figure out okay, what can I do for just a few days a week just to help offset some costs because Melissa was my sugar mama all the way through college. And so I went into a sports store in Brampton, and I grew up loving sports, playing sports. And all of a sudden, when I, um, in my early, late teens, early 20s, I worked at a source for sports. And so I knew how to fix skates, I knew how to fix most equipment. Even today, if you go into my office, there's a tool in my uh, pen container that actually is meant for uh Putting back together ball gloves so if you need a ball glove restring I know how to do it and so I can do all these things and so I went to the sports store and handed them a resume and I remember the manager saying to me oh we're actually hiring I handed it to him and he said are you looking for a management position and I'm like no I'm actually just wanting part-time and he's like I could hire you as assistant manager right now and I'm like no thank you and so we went home and we were pretty confident that okay I'm gonna get a job and I didn't hear anything I didn't hear anything and so we started praying, like, Lord, where's, where's this job? It should be a no-brainer. There should be no problem. And all of a sudden, we went to bed, and I had this dream. And first off, just so you're aware, I've told you this before, and it's not something that's a sense of humor for guys to pull a joke on. I'm petrified of snakes. Um, but to a point where if you tried to scare me with one, I'm not responsible for my reactions. <laughs> and so all of a sudden in this dream... I'm back in the sports store that I used to work in. And I'm helping this person with skates, and they have a baby sitting in a car seat. And so, if anybody has a baby with a car seat, I don't want to listen to the rest of this story. Um, this massive snake comes through the door and grabs the baby by the head and pulls it out and takes off out of the store. And I remember getting up, and by the time I got to the door, I pushed the door. To the Of the store, I pushed it open and looked outside, and this snake was way down the street and going around the corner. And I can remember it because I saw the street, I know exactly where it is in Pembroke. And instantly, or no, sorry, I didn't wake up yet. They all of a sudden, somebody comes walking back to the store with this baby. And they walk in the door, and they walk up, and I'm standing there, and the mother and father are there. I don't know who they are. Um, And I'm standing there, and the person walks in the door and hands me the baby. And the moment the baby hit my arms, I woke up. And I remember immediately going, that's not pizza. And so I started asking God, okay, God, what are you saying? And God gave me an interpretation of the dream. And I'm like, "Mm, do I share it? But if I don't share it, I'm sure everybody's going to be like, come on. So here was the interpretation at the moment. What God told me straight, right, almost right away, he said that if I went back to work in a sporting goods store because I love sports, that I would get distracted from my schooling and what God was birthing in me, I wouldn't get back to way down the road. And it was enough for me to go, I remember us talking, it was enough that if, even if they called to offer me the job, I wouldn't take it. Months later, I was with a mentor of mine. And he was mentoring me in, in the gifts of the Spirit. And I remember talking about dreams. And he's like, have you ever had any good dreams? I'm like, oh, dude, just had a crazy one. And so I told him the dream. And he gave me another interpretation of the dream. I forget that one. But it applied at that moment months later. And so dreams will have different interpretations. But here's what I would encourage you. Before you ask somebody else for the interpretation of the dream, ask God. Because he is the one who gave it to you. So if you want to know what he's trying to say to you, ask him. If he doesn't tell you right away, wait. Press into him. And keep asking him for the revelation. Once you have the revelation from him, later, if you're telling people, somebody who understands gifts or understands dreams may give you another interpretation and see if it applies to your life at that moment not looking back to see if you can correct what God told you. Because dreams will be interpreted different times. And he will speak to you through them. But I love, it's Joyce Myers who says, always go to the throne before you go to the phone. So when you have a dream or you have a word spoken over you, always, always, there's no jokes from this morning. Stay together here. <laughs> I see people whispering and I'm like, darn it. If you don't know, oh, it's probably not even on the podcast. Forget it. So before you go to the phone, go to the throne and press into God. Seriously, that was supposed to be just a good illustration. A good. Thing. He whispers in your ear. He will whisper to you. So there's moments when you are listening and you want to hear his voice that you have to stay in the quiet. You have to stay in the quiet because he's whispering to you. He'll meet you in the quiet place. He's whispering. And when He's whispering to you, He will speak and He will give you direction. But you need to take time to rest in His presence and stay in the quiet place. If you're trying to hear the voice of God without taking time out of your day, you're going to miss it. Yes, can God speak to you as you're driving down the road? Can He speak to you as you're doing the dishes? Can He speak to you at work? Can He speak to you no matter what you're doing? Absolutely. But if you're trying to hear his voice, you need to sit quietly and take time for him. Don't want to scare you with this one, but he terrifies them with warnings. Here's the neat thing with terrifying with warnings. How many people have you had a dream that you understand the meaning, or you've had a word, or you've seen your own vision, and it has scared you because it has been a threat, not peaceful? Anybody? few people willing to admit. So here's the thing. A mentor of ours told us this because well, he had a word over us that was not the nicest. And so he could see it in our face that we were kind of like, oh. He's like, no, 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 hold on. Just because it's a prophetic word or because it's a dream, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It means you need to pray against it. So you can stand your ground. And so the warning doesn't mean, oh, be prepared. All this bad stuff's going to happen. It can literally prepare you to pray now to make it not happen. So you can do the fight before it even happens. And we've had stuff spoken over us where we pray and we uh, fight. And it never comes to to pass. Some people, you automatically go, well, the prophetic word was wrong. No prophetic word was right but we knew to stand and fight against it and therefore it never came at us
1: the only thing that came to me was um the spirit of fear is a very very fierce um fierce spirit and um i think of king saul when he had to get david to actually come and play the harp to relieve him of the spirit of torment that was on him and that's in Second Samuel and so um, just to, to go with what he's saying is you know sometimes when there is a warning um, you'll know when the enemy has come in like a flood because there's a, an electrical fear that can come on you that is not of God and the, the enemy wants to do is paralyze you thinking that is my fate and then it, you're paralyzed, and, and, and it, Job actually says that what you fear happens. And so that's where faith comes in to say, no, my God is greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so, you know, if that happens to be a thing where there's something, there there's a fear, and, and you can sense, you know... Wow, you know, have you ever felt like that electrical, you know, just like that fear, that paralyzing? Wow, um, that's the enemy. And you just come in and you just declare victory. And you declare that God is greater. And you declare who God is. And and you pray against that because God is able to, to change that. And sometimes he just needs to shift you out. And it's kind of like we're reading... um Uh, In our women's Bible study, we're doing Victory Over Darkness. And we actually just read this week on how, um, you know, if you are just slightly, like, one degree off, you know, course, and you're trying to hit the ball in, in golf... Right here, but you're slightly one degree off. It takes you way over there. And sometimes that, you know, you're, you're going in the wrong direction. And so God gives you a warning and it's enough not to, to paralyze fear. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going to end up over here. But oh, I'm just going to readjust and I'm just going to get in alignment with what God wants. And so you get quiet and you ask God, what, how, how do, you know, what do you want me to do? What, what is the course that you want me to take?
0: So then it goes on in Job, he says, he keeps them from doing wrong, keeps them from pride. One of the things you're going to hear kind of repeated tonight is, if you believe you have received a word, first, your first discernment when you hear God speak to you should be that that word is for you. Because God wants to speak to you, then he'll speak through you. If the only thing that you're doing is getting words for other people, be cautious. Be cautious. Because when he speaks, he's speaking to you. Because he wants to keep you from doing wrong and he wants to keep us from being prideful. And so he will speak to you. He'll protect them from the grave and gives us warning. As we talk. he gives us warning. He will give you visions. He'll make you do things. A lot of times, if you start thinking about life... Think about some of the things in your life where all of a sudden it took you a little bit later to get out the door and you just missed an accident. There was a a family back home and um, the father was leaving a person's house and it was on this steep, steep hill back home. And as you come down to the bottom of the hill, there's a bridge and railroad tracks. So uh, he was pulling out of their driveway. And he noticed in the back seat that his two kids were goofing around and they didn't have their seatbelts on. And this was back when I was a kid, so seatbelts were kind of like, meh, car seats, not even really heard of. And so it was just more or less, you stayed in the back and, you know, don't jump on the driver's head. But he felt, no, no, I need to buckle this person, I need to buckle my kids in. So he came to the end of the driveway, put it in park, got out of the car, went back, buckled both kids in, and came back to the car. And as he said, he's getting back in the car, transport was coming down the hill. And... As it came down the hill, the train tracks came down. And, or sorry, the tracks were already down. And the, train, the transport came down the hill and had no brakes. And went straight right into the train. And he knew that if he had just said, "I ah, forget it, pulled out, he would have been sitting at the bottom waiting for the train. And that transport would have come. And so to this day, he believes that God told him, ah, buckle him up when he knew he was just driving a couple of minutes and most times he wouldn't care. And so God will tell us to do things that we think are small. I believe there's moments where he will do things like this for this father and I also believe he will do. He will tell you to do things in moments where if you're in the grocery store, you're in the drive-thru, if you're doing different things in a store, where you might just pause for a moment and say to somebody, I don't really know you and I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you, I just want you to know God loves you. Sorry. And walk away. And as you walk away, you don't know if that person was praying, Lord, if you're real today, just show me. Just show me. You'd be going through a drive thru and just feel like, oh, I'm just going to buy the coffee for the person behind me. And I don't know about you, if you've ever done it, a lot of times the last you. is there anything you want to say to them? And I don't know if they repeat it, but I always, I'm like, just tell them, God bless you. And I don't know in that moment if a free cup of coffee with the word God bless you attached is enough to change somebody's life. But it's simple little things. We get distracted when we talk about spiritual gifts to see these big massive things. And maybe you came tonight expecting me to talk about these big massive things. And I'm going to talk about these tiny little things. Because I believe if you're faithful with the tiny the big will come. But if you're only seeking the big you're May not get it. You may. But I believe if you're faithful with the little, he'll give you the big. The littles are the highs. And by high I mean hi. How are you? I've shared with you before we're walking through a grocery store, going through a line, I'm not talking, please understand. This, for me, as we get into talking about some spiritual gifts, some of this is easy for me, some of this is hard for me, and there's certain parts that I've learned just over the time to now it's easier. But when I first started doing some of these, it was not easy. So as I talk to you about some of these things, don't think that I know it all. And by all means, I mess up all the time. And there's certain times where I know God has told me to do something and I haven't done it, and I question afterwards, what did I miss? And I'll tell you stories where I succeeded because I don't want you to have the miss. And I've prayed for people. I've prayed for a cashier at Walmart. One, if you're going to pray in public, keep it quick, quiet, and not crazy. Yes, Jesus spit in mud and put it on people's faces, but you ain't Jesus. And if you're going to put mud in somebody's eye, you better know for certain that Jesus said to do it. But you can do things for Jesus that are so small, that are so huge in other people's eyes. They're so big. I want to read just about spiritual gifts so you understand in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read from verse 1 to 11. Now, about the spirits, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Do you realize... Right here, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, that if you say Jesus is Lord, you're already speaking by the Spirit. So if you want to know if the Spirit speaks through you, just say right now, Jesus is Lord. See, you can all speak for the Spirit. You can all speak by the Spirit. This is Scripture. Scripture. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are t- different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, in it is the same God at work. Now, for each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by, by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines so the Holy Spirit distributes them as he determines so why does he give it to one person and not the other only he knows because it's up to him he distributes them we're going to talk a little bit tonight mostly concentrating on wisdom, knowledge and prophecy and I just want you to know in most situations they kind of overlap they kind of go together Certain gifts you want to pray for and certain gifts you don't want to pray for. Discerning of spirits, that's one that's, uh, if you're called and given that gift, it's good, but it's not one that most people pray for. But the gifts of prophecy we're encouraged to pray for. We're encouraged to go after. But as I said before, I want to talk, as we talk about prophecy, one of the first things I want to talk about is this. When you get a word of knowledge, as I said already, check to make sure it's for you. Because the scripture is very clear that as we give prophetic words, as we speak into people's lives, if you are speaking correction, remember that we are supposed to move the plank from our own eye before we move the speck from our brothers. And so I always, every time that I feel I have a word from the Lord... I always ask him, God, who is this for? Is this for me? And I'll tell you something. Any word that I have shared from this platform that I felt was prophetic word for the whole congregation, I have already chewed on, I have already digested, and I already know what it means to me before I share it to you. Because if I don't know how it applies to my own life, I don't feel like I really have a right to share it for your life. And if it's a public word, it's supposed to be for everybody, which includes me. And so the word always applies to ourselves as well. Prophecy is speaking God's heart into somebody, it's speaking God's heart into the situation. A word of knowledge is knowing something that we shouldn't know about somebody's past or present. It's something that we wouldn't be aware of. When you have a word of knowledge, what it does is it grabs people's attention. Um, I don't know if you've heard this statement before but we use it all the time it's it's when somebody reads your mail and so there's certain people that we know who flow in the prophetic and I'll be completely honest when I see them walk through the door if we're at a conference and I see them and they give me a big smile and they start walking towards me my first reaction truthfully is Lord forgive me of any sin that I am unaware of in the name of Jesus as they walk towards me and then I'm like hi hi But we have to realize a word of knowledge is something that we don't, that we shouldn't know. That's why it's a word of knowledge. And so Jesus, when Nathaniel came to him and Jesus said to him, I saw you under the fig tree. Think about that. Think about what you were doing today, this afternoon after church. And you come walking in the door. And I'm like, I saw you watching the football game today even through my window no 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 god showed me would that not catch your attention you're excited about something you come and all of a sudden somebody says to you hey i saw you doing this today it's a word of knowledge where you can speak into somebody's life about something that you shouldn't know and it does it grabs their attention And I believe it grabs their attention. So now you can prophesy and speak God's love into the situation. Because if you just go to prophesy, sometimes if you go to speak God's love into a situation, they may not be willing to receive it. But all of a sudden you speak knowledge, then you prophesy, you have their attention. Because they know that you're hearing from God. They know that you've heard and you've seen them and God has a word for them catch their attention fast when Jesus saw the woman at the well we all know the story but if you think about it for a moment he begins to talk about her past he begins to call out the fact that hey the the woman or the man that you're with now isn't your husband and the ones before weren't either I don't know about you, but if all of a sudden somebody started telling me about my past that didn't know me, how many people know that you would listen to what they're about to tell you about your life? And so we ask God, God, give me a word of knowledge. Give me a word of knowledge. It doesn't have to be, like the woman at the well, it doesn't have to be dirt on people's lives. He got Nathaniel's attention by telling him he saw him under a tree. Words of knowledge will pull people in so you can speak into their lives words of wisdom it's divine knowledge on something that you know nothing about so you think about Jesus Jesus is walking in Matthew 5 and he's on the shore and he's a carpenter remember this right Jesus was a carpenter so he's walking along the shore and the disciples are out in the boat now, what were most of the disciples, disciples? Professional fishermen. Jesus yells out to them, "Hey, throw your nets on the other side." That's like one of them telling him, "Hey, righty, tidy, lefty, Lucy." Jesus is like, "Thanks." And they cast the nets on the other side and they pull in all this fish wisdom God will give you wisdom so you can plan out steps by steps and so the way this work is you get a word of knowledge for somebody's life so you get their attention you speak God's love into the situation and then you help them with words of wisdom by explaining what steps they can take too often, sometimes we give a word of prophecy and we walk away going, got that one. But we haven't helped people. We haven't helped them. One of my mentors told me a long time ago that as I became more, um, as I got more experience in pastor and as I became a lead pastor, that what would happen was God would show me things in the churches that we work at. Things that need to change or things that need to happen. But if we were to speak them in the moment that we saw them and knew them, that people would think we're crazy. So the idea is to see it prophetically and then ask God, God, what am I supposed to do with this? And then behind the scenes, plan and plan and plan and work and plan. If you're wondering what we do, this is what we do. We plan and we prepare and we plan and we prepare until finally... We have the steps that God tells us that we need to take. And just as he gets that all wrapped up for us and we have it neatly done in a folder, all of a sudden, somebody comes to us and goes, hey, I think we have a situation. Oh yeah, what's that? What are we going to do about this? Just give me a second. Here it is. Well, what's this? This is how we're going to solve it. Oh, when did you see this? God showed me like six months ago. But if I would have told you then, you would have thought I was crazy. Yep. This doesn't just apply at church. In your workplace, God will show you something. Some of you complain to your co-workers about your workplace. Some of you complain about your bosses. Because you see something and you know they don't see it. How dumb are they? No, they don't have the wisdom of God. And instead of you complaining about it, God's actually wanting you to prepare and to show and humbly come along and help your employer out. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you and he's showing you favor. He's not showing you so you can complain. He's showing you favor so you can work and and bless your company. And as you bless your workplace, as you bless your boss, as you bless your company, and you don't need to take credit for it, guess what God will do? He'll give you credit for it. But sometimes we see things and we know our bosses don't. And guess what? They don't. Because you're given wisdom from the Lord, and your job is to develop it, show a step-by-step plan so you can go to them and give it to them. And when you give it to them, you walk away. Because you don't need credit for it, because guess what? It wasn't your idea. It was the Lord's. And you watch the Lord honor you for it. So what happens, and we talked about it, you get a word of knowledge. And what it does is it opens a door for you to speak into somebody's life. And once you open the door, you share God's love in their life. Because it's one thing, if you walk up to somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus, and you start off with, Jesus just loves you so much. They block you out. Thanks. I think you're nuts. Jesus' fairy tales. But you walk up and you say, hey, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. What? Yeah, I feel like something going on in your life in this area. You spying on me? No, no, I'm not spying on you. How do you know that? I was praying. And God showed me this. Oh, really? What else did he show you? Well, actually, he showed me that while this was happening, he was sitting there brokenhearted. And he just wants you to know he loves you. And he cares for you. And he's in this. You don't see him. But he wants this to work out. Oh yeah, how's that supposed to happen? Well, actually, what you don't realize, and maybe you don't care, but I know it's your marriage. Or I know it's your parenting. And you know what? In January, my church is offering a parenting course. You should come. I'll take it with you. You don't even have kids. I know. But I'll take it with you. So now, word of knowledge. You see that something's wrong in their house and it's, you understand that it has to do with their kids. You spoke in love because God wants it to work out and he loves them and their kids. And your wisdom is simply that you know that there's a parenting course happening at your church. So you might see advertisements for stuff at the church and go, oh, that doesn't apply for me. Well, maybe not for you, but who are you praying for? What is God putting in your hands so you can put in somebody else's hands? Because, see, oddly enough, everything that happens at church isn't for us. But this is how God will speak through you. You just have to be listening. And you might think, Chad, my co-workers will think I am nuts if I walked up and said, I think there's something wrong with your parenting. Yes, they will. God will show you a picture. You need to work on how you present it. What I suggest in that category is we're staying with an illustration, just a simple, hey, how's your kids? I want to kill them. (laughs) Oh, that's not good. (laughs) And then you speak into it. And you bring love. But as you walk through all of these things. Realize this. As you prophesy. Just because something hasn't come about yet. Doesn't mean it was wrong. You need to press in. You need to press in. And prophetic words normally. They confirm something that's already in your heart. But just because it doesn't, don't disqualify it. And if you speak prophetically into somebody's life, and you ask them, I don't know if you're brave enough, but I do it, how does that sit with you? And if somebody says to you, ah, it doesn't really jive with me. Don't automatically go, oh, I guess I was wrong. One of my mentors told me, he said, just because it doesn't suit them, tell them to pray into it. Because as we already read and understood, that it could be a warning of something that's coming. It could be an understanding. Because I don't know about you, but just because I have a warning, like I said, you can pray into and it doesn't happen. But sometimes it does happen, and guess what? You're not really destroyed by it. Because as it happens, you go, that's right, so-and-so prophesied that this was going to happen. So, guess what? That also means I'm not alone in it. God told me it was going to happen, so He's right here with me. This is how we help each other and encourage one another. So, as we seek gifts and different gifts, the Spirit gives them as He determines. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 27, it says this, Now, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. First Corinthians, going into the next chapter, because Paul didn't write them in chapters, he wrote the letter. So in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love... I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. When Paul was writing in in chapter 12 and chapter 14 on the gifts of the Spirit, he didn't take a coffee break to write a chapter on love for us to read at weddings. He didn't pause and go, if are going to get married sometime in Corinthians, I should write them something to read. It is in there because it applies to the spiritual gifts. It applies to how we lead people. We are supposed to lead through love. And if we love, everything else comes together. Because if you could prophesy over somebody, if you have a word of knowledge, you have a word of wisdom, but you don't actually love the person, the Bible says you're just a sounding gong. If I stood up here, if I pulled one of the symbols out and I stood here and I just hid it the whole time, how long would you stay? Not long, right? This is, if you're trying to figure out how do I speak into these people's lives, start with love. Start by just loving them. And then you'll speak into their lives. First Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire... The gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So we read through all the gifts, we read through love, and then the first thing he says in the next chapter he says, Follow the way of love. And eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Jumping down to 1 Corinthians 14:31, it says, For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. So who can prophesy? All. All of us can prophesy. Every one of us. That's why my simple faith goes right back to the beginning. We all hear God's voice. We can all prophesy. Every one of you can prophesy. Now, before there's some in the room that get a little bit concerned about order and all that kind of stuff in a service. Yes, Paul writes about it. But the ones that we like to kind of lock in on is... It continues in reading. It says, verse 32, it says, The spirit of the prophets are subject to subject to the control of the prophet. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. So yes. If you have a word to speak, you can wait your turn. If you say, Oh, I just can't control myself, well, it's not biblical. So you can control it. And yes. I want to just kind of go back and forth on something here because I want to i want to let everybody understand that I see the scriptures and I understand there's order. But there's also a verse that one of my mentors pointed out to me that I want to point out to everybody tonight. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, as he's talking about order, it starts at verse 26, and this is the one that most people know. When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or revelation, a tongue or an interpretation Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If everyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So yes, everything is done to build each other up, and we do things in order. And if there is a gift of public tongues, yes, there needs to be an interpretation. And the one who gives the tongue should be praying for an interpretation if nobody else does it. And that's why sometimes you'll see the person who speaks out in tongues will give the interpretation because they will wait for somebody else to give it. But if they're not, if no one else is going to give it, they're going to pray for the interpretation. Here's the verse that I want to stretch you on because so many people, if you grew up in the Pentecostal church, you know verse twenty-seven: If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three. And the moment we hit three, people start looking around. But can I challenge you on something? I'm not looking for chaos. That's my responsibility to keep things in order. I understand that. But 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29, says this. Two or three prophets should speak. So when we come together... Two or three prophets should speak. I don't know about you, but there's many Sundays where Melissa and I, we get in the car and we drive home. And we feel like we've missed something. Now, I believe in my own heart, when I get up to speak, I believe there's things that I will say that are just coming through prophetically. Because if I show you my notes, some of the stuff I see are not in my notes. But I think sometimes in Pentecostal churches... We can get religious and go, ooh, we've reached two. We got to be careful. Only one more person's allowed here. Chad, that was number three. Shut her down. If things are being done orderly, and the Spirit is coming together, and the words are connecting, and the words are powerful, I will take the weight of that. But I would rather... You ask this question when you walk out these doors on a Sunday where nobody else speaks but myself. Did we miss something? Did we miss something? Because see, my my Bible tells me, yes, two, when it comes to speaking in tongues, two, no more than three should do it. I get it. But what about the verse that says two or three prophets should speak? I don't know about you, but when one of my mentors pointed that out to me, man, it challenged me. It challenged me to think, what have we missed on a Sunday where nobody spoke. See, I come on Sundays expecting to hear the word of God. I don't know about you. I come every Sunday expecting to hear God speak. And yes, I'm the one who preaches. But every Sunday morning, as I iron my shirt, I ask the Lord, God, what is it that you want to say this morning? I'm prepared and I'm ready, but what is the one word you want everybody to walk out of this room with? I hope that you come every Sunday. I hope you go to work every Monday to Friday, asking God, as you are getting ready to go at the door, God, what is it you want my co workers to know today? And when He gives it to you, you ask Him. How do I get that across without sounding weird? And he will show you how to explain it, how to speak it. Now, we can all prophesy, but that does not mean that we are all prophets. If you look at the parable of the talents, one was given one, one was given two, one was given five. So just because you can speak prophetically in a situation when God will speak through you, it does not mean you're a prophet. It means that you can speak for God. There's a difference. Just because you can speak once in a while for God does not make you a prophet. Because in 1 Corinthians thirteen nine it says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. So, the difference is the better the ability to hear God and communicate His voice, you need to be spending more time with Him. When Doug Schneider was here, I asked him, because Doug is known as a prophet. And I asked him, Doug, what is your time with Jesus like? And he reads his Bible for five hours a night. I asked him, How do you do that? He doesn't really watch any TV. But he hears from God. And he speaks into people's lives all the time. So there's, in my mind, there's some different, and I've heard it said, there's different types of prophecy. There's simple prophecy. There's encouragement, edification, and confirmation. Most of us operate in this. We will encourage people, we'll edify people, and we can speak things that will confirm things in their heart. And then there's a prophetic gifting Which frequent impressions or dreams or vision happen in your life? So you begin to get things a little more often. And then there's even could be a prophetic ministry. But a prophetic ministry, just so you're aware, most people would define it as recognized by your local leadership. I have gone to churches where somebody will come up to me and speak over my life. And the first thing I do is I go to the pastor. If I don't know who the person is prophesying on me, I go to the pastor. Hey, because I know most of them. That person over there spoke over me. Should I listen? And I'll get told. Oh yeah, listen. Other times, hey, this person spoke over my life. Should I listen? Nope. Okay. And it's interesting because then there is also the office of a prophet. And anytime there's an office of a prophet, most times signs and wonders will usually follow that person. And so they hear the word of God and they're able to communicate it well. And then signs and wonders come with them. And here is how I believe, from my experiences that I've had, you can tell the difference between an office of a prophet and somebody that has prophetic ministry. Here's how you know. They don't tell you. Other people do. They don't tell you. Other people will tell you. Other people will say, oh, so-and-so spoke over you? Yet they've flown the prophetic. You need to listen. I have two mentors in my life that are prophets, and neither one of them would ever tell me they're a prophet. But other people tell me they're prophets. And it's interesting because when you see them going to ask to speak at different places, it's funny because underneath their name on the poster, it ends up that it doesn't say like pastor so-and-so. It shows like prophet so-and-so. And And if I say to my mentors, they've got prophet on there. They're like, yeah, it's it's silly. And away they go. But everybody will tell you that they're prophets because of how they're able to hear the word of God and communicate it. And if they're truly a prophet, they will have signs and wonders follow them. So things to remember. Most times a prophetic word will always bring reconciliation. Prophetic words communicate the love of the Lord. I've only given one prophetic word that was a correction. And I did it privately. And it was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done in my life. I was praying for somebody on my internship, of all things. And on my internship, my internship pastor, um, I don't know what he saw, but he stretched me in the prophetic. And he came to me every Sunday looking for a word, because the first Sunday I was there, God gave me one, which was the first time ever, I think, in my life that I felt like he fully gave me one. And he came over in the service and was like, "What God saying to you? Oh, I feel he's saying this and this and this. And just handed me the microphone. He didn't like come out and say, hey, Chad has words. He's like, here you go, away you go. I didn't spoke in front of anybody ever. And I was praying for somebody at the front and this lady, the altar call was simple. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, come. And so I was praying for this lady to receive more of the Holy Spirit. And as I was praying for her, I'll get Melissa to stand up because anybody else would make you feel weird. So, As I was praying for her, I just had my hand on her shoulder and there was this big dude standing behind her praying. And every time I prayed, Holy Spirit, we just want more of you. All I would hear in my head, loud. I can't. Never experienced this before. Holy Spirit, just come. I can't. Holy Spirit, just come. I can't. And so I had to step back because I don't know about you, but I've never heard the Holy Spirit tell me I can't come. And I'm like, what? So I step back. I'm like, God, what is happening? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, there is so much bitterness in her heart that I can't come in. And so I looked at her, and I said to her, I said, I am so sorry. I've never had this before. She's like, what is it? I feel like God is saying that he can't come into your life. That the Holy Spirit can't give you more because I believe that you have bitterness and hurt in your life and your heart is full of it so there's no room for the Holy Spirit and as I'm talking she's weeping and the man behind her is weeping and he's nodding and I'm like I don't know who either of them are and so I just said to her I said I believe that you have unforgiveness in your heart and you need to forgive some people and as you forgive them you'll create more room and the Holy Spirit will come and fill that room And so I prayed with her. I asked her, how does that sit with you? Because I'm hoping she says, good. And so I prayed with her that God would give her the strength to walk through what she has to walk through. And she left. And we've prayed for people. And at the end of the service, when we're done praying, I'm standing there at the front. And all of a sudden, this guy walks up to me. And as you can tell, I'm vertically challenged. And so most people are big. But this guy was big. And so he walks up and he starts talking to me. And he's like, yeah, you were praying with my wife I'm like which one was your wife the one that you said was bitter oh is <laughs> <Was> that like <laughs> did I say that he's like I need to tell you something I'm a pastor and the last church we're in we got really really hurt I've recovered my wife hasn't And so what you said was dead on. And he said, I'm telling you that to encourage you because I know you're growing and stretching. And so I saw them at the end of my internship. I was only there for about eight weeks, but she was lighter and smiling and happy. And they came and told me, it's been a journey, but she felt more of the Holy Spirit presence. Now, I would never do that publicly. If you ever had a word that you felt was correction, here's the second side of that. I asked them if I could help in any way possible. Don't ever correct somebody and walk away. If you feel that God has called you, first off, remember, plank before speck. Plank before speck. So if there's ever a moment where you feel you're supposed to speak into somebody's life to shine a light on what could be dark, you just make sure that that darkness isn't in your life. Sometimes it's easier for us to shine a flashlight in somebody else's life than the spotlight that's already shining in ours. And as you walk it through, you never walk away from them. You cannot point out sin to somebody unless you're willing to walk with them. Because you're no help to them if you don't. So as you get a word of knowledge and you speak into their life, the only time you open your mouth to speak into that is when you already in your head and in your heart have committed to walk the walk with them. And just so you know, I don't know about you, but I've dealt with stuff in my life. And that walk usually isn't pretty, and it's not short. So if you're going to point it out, be committed to walk it and get muddy. Because that's what you're committing to.
1: Um, Just as you're, I'm reminded of a situation when uh, (laughs) we've, over the years here we've been trying to encourage people in um in practicing um the prophetic words and so um when with youth or uh, what you know whomever we're we're doing it with we we'd say you know you need to practice it and and make sure that they know that they need to tell you the truth so um you know, we'd wake up in the morning or whether we were in a, a setting where, you know, we, we would sit together and say, Okay, so I'm gonna ask God to give me a word for you and you need to be honest because if there's no honesty, then um, that person can never grow. And so I'd say, you know what, I just really feel this about you and that person would have the chance to say that's not me. Actually I think that's that person. You know? And then we we're like, oh, Okay, I missed it. But if we don't actually, if we're not honest with people, if they give us something that's not for us, then we can't grow together, right? But I, I say that experience to, to share. Um, there was a word that that um, somebody had for somebody else, and um, this person didn't come back to them yet and say, no, That it wasn't that it wasn't accurate. It was the way that it was done. And so somebody had said... Um, you know, I think God has just told me that you're just a very, 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 um, you know, you're a very fearful person. And that person came to me and was like, oh, I just feel like the worst person in the world. Like, I'm the worst sinner. Like, I have all this fear in my life. And and it wasn't an encouraging word. I just feel so condemned. And, um, and so we kind of worked with that person to say, hey, you know what? A better way to say that would be to say, you know, God... Do you need me to say the words, you're a fearful person, or God, what are the words that you want me to say? Because there's a lot of ways of saying that in love. There's a way of saying, Chad, you know what? I just believe that God is telling me that you need just to trust him and that he's going to look after whatever it is that may be fearful in your life, but God has got it and speak the truth into it. And you know what? God wants you to trust him than to say, you're a very fearful person because that puts a heaviness on that person, right? And so Um, As we we do want to encourage people to grow in this. Because I do believe that that sometimes we come into church and we're like, Lord, what do you got for me? But maybe we actually need to come to church and say, hey, we are here with each other. What do you got for somebody else? And to practice that. But as we practice it, we need to be honest and say, you know what? Um, That hurt me. And in doing that, we are keeping each other accountable or come to us and be like, you know what, this, this really hurt me and I don't feel comfortable saying that to that person because these are teachable moments. Or, and then at the same time, for us all just to say, Lord, how, whoa, I'm not sure about that. Um, and if you could come to us, even say, you know, when I have this word for somebody, for, for Susu, and um, that's the word I used a couple of words. I'm getting, like, mocked terribly for my preaching two weeks ago. Um, um, I got a word for, for so-and-so, and you don't need to say the words, um, but gosh, they, they've told me to tell them that they're a better person, but I don't feel comfortable with that. Is there another way of saying that? But let's let's grow in this together, but everything needs to be done in love, because we will not um, grow, and we will not be edified or encouraged if it is a condemning way.
0: So yeah, there's. if you're not honest, you won't grow, and you're not helping the other person. And so, like Pastor Melissa said, when we walked with this person, we weren't denying the fact that God showed them that this person was fearful. But you ask God, and this is where we go back to the ability to hear God and communicate His voice. So, in this in this situation, the person was probably 100 accurate that they heard God say they're fearful. So then, how do we, God? How do I speak to them to show them they don't have to be afraid? And just like Pastor Melissa said. Zach, God just wants you to know He loves you, He's got your back, and no matter what He's asked you to do, He will walk with you and He will take you through it, and you don't have to be nervous or afraid of anything because God is going to be with you in the whole journey. So, whatever He speaks to you, He will strengthen you and push you through the whole time. So, now instead of walking up to Him, hey, Zach, God, just show me, like, you're really scared and you're really afraid. And you can't be afraid anymore. Like, Just get rid of this fear in your life. See the difference? That one, Dex, probably not leaving here too confident in himself. But the first one, he's walking out going, I'm good. God's got me. And so ask God, God, how do I communicate this? How do I share this? How do I speak this into people's lives?
1: I think it's about pointing them to who Jesus is. Yeah. To Who God is, rather than what their flesh is. It's the direction of what you're pointing them toward.
0: And actually, one of the things I was listening to as we were preparing for this, they said in the Old Testament, the difference between a false prophet and a real prophet, false prophets pulled people away from Jesus. It wasn't whether they were inaccurate or not. It actually pulled people away from God, where prophets pushed them towards God. And so that is the difference between it. So if you are nervous, like I said this morning, if you feel like you have a word for somebody, and it's encouraging... And it's going to push them towards God? Tell them. Tell them. Well, what if it's not the right person? Well, whether my word is for Brian or for O'Neill, if I'm encouraging them to go towards God and how much God loves them, tell them both. (laughs) I'm not sure who's it for. It's to encourage them and to tell them how much God loves them. Tell them all. And watch God stretch you. He will stretch you and he will point you in the right direction. The other thing to be aware of, personal character is important. So who you are is important. If you're a jerk all the time, it's really hard to speak for God. I'm serious. You can't be the work idiot and then turn around and try to speak into people's lives. That's one reason. I'm being truthful here. I'm being fully transparent. One reason I will not pastor back home is because of who I used to be. Because I don't know if they'll see Jesus. They'll just see, hey, isn't that, yep, that's him. And, when you're speaking into people's lives, think of me and keep it short and sweet. (laughs) Hey, at least every one of you is walking out of here knowing that when you speak for, for the Lord, try to keep it short and sweet. You don't, exactly. Right on, Sandy. <laughs> but seriously, here's where you'll have to decide too. When you begin to speak prophetically, when you begin to step out for God... The thing that makes you nervous is you—you you want to say enough that it makes sense, and so sometimes you start talking for yourselves. I've heard people speak into prophetically into people's lives. I remember one person told us they spoke prophetically into somebody's life, and they walked up, and they knew that God wanted to say something. And they walked up, and they walked up, and they're like, "God wants me to say this to you, and I don't understand it." Well, what is it? Bike, and the person wept. And started to cry because what they were praying for, what they were seeking after, they were dead on. One of my mentors, I'll tell this story and then I'll just wrap up. He was trying to, he was asking God to stretch him in the prophetic, and so God would show him things, and God would show him pictures, and God would show him different things. And all of a sudden, he was driving to a retreat, and he's like, "Lord, what do you want to say to these people this weekend? What is it?" And he heard the Lord say to him, "D." He's like, what else? D. The letter D. And so when he got up, he started speaking, and he knew the people well. He's spoken at a couple of retreats, so he knew, okay, God, you're stretching me in a safe place. And he goes, I feel like it's driving your God had a word for you, and this is all he's given me so far, the letter D. And so everybody in the room kind of laughed, and they're like, okay. And so somebody at the back kind of raised their hand. He's like, I got diabetes come on up, let's pray for you. And they started just kind of going through the room and started doing these things. And as he started stretching his faith and praying for different things, then all of a sudden he said, I felt the word say to him, the Lord say, Daniel, dialysis. He's like, well, they're both D's, so why not? He's like, okay, I feel like God stretched it a little bit farther. All I got now is Daniel and dialysis and the whole room started laughing. And he's like, I'm either crazy Or I'm dead on. And there was a guy at the back and he raised his hand. He's like, my name's Daniel. I started dialysis this week. This is for you. Come on up. And they prayed for him. And I believe later heard back that completely healed. So let God stretch you. He will stretch you. Don't be afraid to take a step. But here's what we're going to ask you at Bethel. I want to ask you, because I was, Pastor Melissa said, we want it to be a safe place. We want it to be a place where you can share, that you can step out, but you need to be honest with one another. Please, please, please hear me. I know that I have shared about a story where I have corrected somebody. I would would encourage you not to for a long time. For a long time. And if you are thinking of correcting somebody, can you do me a favor? Come and talk to me. Because it is a step that honestly... I have spoken now prophetically probably, and I don't, when I talk about the list, I would put myself at like simple prophecy. And in all the years that I've done it, I've corrected once the whole time. Okay, so encourage people, lift people up. But here's what we're going to ask you at Bethel. We're going to ask you, if you feel like you have a prophetic word to share, or if you have a word of encouragement or anything like that on a Sunday morning, we're going to ask you to come over to the front row and speak to one of the pastors. And leave it, let us discern it. Here's something you need to know. When you give me a prophetic word, if I don't have you share it here, a lot of times it bugs me all afternoon. Because here's what God has shown me as a support staff. As a support staff, I would go to a lead pastor, whether it's Pastor Charles or Pastor Rob that I worked for in Strathroy. And if I felt that like God was telling me something, I would go and say, here's what I feel God is saying. And they would say, okay, thanks. And then I would sit quietly. And here's what I felt God was telling me as a support staff. You are no longer responsible. So if you come and share a word with me and you are 100% right, you were supposed to share it and I didn't let you, I will answer for that. And here's what the Lord spoke to me as a support staff, if one of my leads didn't let me share it. They will answer for that, I will answer for that. And then when you are now responsible for your heart towards the leadership. So when my boss told me I couldn't share it, I was not responsible for his actions, I was responsible for my heart. So no, hear me. I do not say no by the flip of a coin. If I am saying no, I am wrestling with it. Because my true heart is, and you can ask Pastor Melissa at any time, the thing that I wrestle with in the afternoon on a Sunday is, did I miss something? Did I miss something? And I do not want to miss the Holy Spirit. Never. But we ask you to come and share. One of the things that I will ask is, if I'm over there, I would ask you to share it with another staff member before it comes to me. And the reason I ask you that is I trust my staff and I'm preparing to speak. So my heart's kind of in one spot. If I'm here, share it over there. And if one of my staff believes it's supposed to be shared, they'll wave at me. And the moment they wave at me, you're coming over. Okay? And the reason we say that is this. The moment you step on this platform with a microphone to share your word, everybody that is in this room And then it will be understood that everybody in the room understands that whoever stands here with a microphone and shares a word has passed through the covering of the leadership of our church. And then you have our covering. And so if somebody disagrees with what you said from here, they can speak to me. Because you are now under our covering. And so that is why we're asking you to do it that way. It's not to control. It's actually to protect. And we will empower you. So here's how we're going to wrap up tonight. Do you have anything you want to add? Pastor Carla?
1: A woman of many
0: words. (laughs) Um,
1: sister. Honestly, I was actually just like, okay, I'm wrestling with whether to say his name. I'm like, if he asks me, then I'll say it. Um, I just wanted to super challenge all of you that God does speak to every single one of us, He doesn't pick favorites. He, he wants to speak through every single one of you. And I just wanted to share um, just a little story quickly as they come. Um, we are privileged to get to go to a, a pastor's timeout. Um, and it's young pastor's timeout, so it's mostly youth pastors. And I'm feeling really old. So the last time we went last January, I'm like, oh, you could be my kid. You could be my kid. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting old. And so I'm like, Lord... I just want to, you know, you know, we had just become lead pastors and I'm like, God, I just want to come in and I just want to be a blessing to anybody who needs it. And so God, I just, I I'm here, um, just, and, and if you have a word for somebody, you know, I'm here and I'm just going to pray that you would just help me to be a blessing to people. And so every single service I walked in and said, Lord, if you want me to speak to somebody, Give me a word or let me, you know, whatever. And as I gazed, you know, through or like, you know, looked across the room, each service, like I saw balloons over one person. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I wrestled with it actually until like the end of the conference. And I was like, bang, there it is. This is what it is. Um, And then there was another time. When I looked, uh, like, way across, and I had no idea who the person was, and I just saw a word, like, literally over them. I could just see a word right across their chest. And I walked over to them, and I was like, I have no idea what this means, Lord. And generally, my, um, the thing that I've learned is you need to step out of faith because sometimes God gives you a little bit, but he needs you to step out in faith for it to not become flesh, but just for it to be spirit. And so I saw a word. I'm like, Oh Lord, I have no idea what this means. Be with me. I'm just going to try everything. Lord, I have no idea what you want me to say. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I sat down beside her and I said, You know, I just saw this word over you and all this stuff just poured out of my mouth. And she just looks at me and she just is bawling. And she's like, you got my Facebook message. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. And I'm like, "Uh, no, I haven't looked, you know, today. Just before the service, I just, you know, Facebook you because I just really, really wanted to connect with you and tell you that... When I was 15, you led worship at junior high camp in the Eastern District, and it really meant a lot to me, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I just want to talk to you about this. And and you just, like, read my mail, and I literally saw a word over her. And if I hadn't uh first of all, been looking, then I wouldn't have had a word. And if I didn't step out in faith, then I wouldn't have the rest of it. And so what I want to encourage you is that God does speak through every single one of you. It's literally the difference between you walking through these doors or walking through a grocery store and saying, God, what word do you have for somebody? And you just going on your way. And I think sometimes as Christians, we just say, Lord, what do you have for me today? And would you be encouragement to me? But we all need encouragement. But sometimes our greatest encouragement is to know that God has spoke through us to somebody. And when we begin to give to others. And when we, it's it's kind of like sowing seeds into, you know, them. And we reap the benefits somehow. Um, but I, I dare you. To wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, I'm not moving until you tell me who to text to give a word to. I'm not moving, I'm not getting out of this grocery store until you give me a word for somebody. And I'm not getting out of this church until you have a word for me for somebody else. And you might just start small with scribbling it anonymously on a piece of paper and slipping it in their pocket. Or saying, can you give this to somebody and don't tell them it's from me Um if it's encouragement. (laughs) Um, But I, I dare you to start trusting that God wants to speak through you and that he loves you enough to encourage you and he loves them enough that you might be their life source that day, but you're pointing them to Jesus. So I just encourage you in that. And if you don't If it doesn't mean anything to you, it might mean a lot to them. God speaks through colors. You might be like, I just see the color blue, and that means nothing. You might smell something. He might, you might, you're like, wow, I just smell flowers. Or I just see pictures, you know, I just see tree like he speaks in so many different ways and um it may mean absolutely nothing to you but that's stepping out in faith when it means you know when it's beyond you and so just um just go after it and 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 don't be afraid to to step up
0: so holy spirit we thank you for your presence Jesus, we thank you so much that not only did you die for us, but you chose us to be a part of your family. So, Lord, we just thank you for accepting us and loving us. It doesn't matter what we've done or what we've said, but you love us. You love me, and you love everyone in this room so, Holy Spirit, I pray that as they go tonight, that as they drive home, that you speak to them. You whisper truth to them. You show some of them pictures. You give some of them dreams. But, Father, this week, we all ask you to show us what you want us to do each day. The person that we are supposed to speak to. And it could be just a simple high. It could be a text. That Father, you want us to encourage. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for the gifts that you've given every one of us in this room. Help us to be faithful with them. Fan them into flame. Speak to us and through us in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church
1: Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.